Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. If you got a copy of the Word of God, let me ask you to open it up to the book of James, chapter 4. I'm going to read just one verse, verse 7, and you're hearing today. And I'm going to try to give you some very practical and very, very powerful stuff. I endeavor to do that every Sunday, but today I'm going to try to do that especially. If you're a note taker today, get ready. I'm going to try to give you a lot of things and some scripture references and stuff that will help you as we end up this little series that we've been in. We've been talking about TNT, surviving the blast, encouragement for those moments when trials and tribulations cause life just to, uh, to blow up on you. We learned a lot about trials and tests. We learned that they were promised, that they are coming into your life. It's a when, it's not an if. We've learned that they were appointed, that they're aimed strictly at your faith. We've learned that they're prolific. Uh, not one or not even one at a time is what we usually face. We usually have them on every hand's turn. We've learned that they're purposeful, and this has been the springboard and the premise of our series, that God uses them in the life of His children to produce a planned result. Romans clearly tells us that all things work together for the good if we love Him. And we're called according to his purpose. So our question became, what is it that these trials accomplish? What are some of these good things that come about as a result of trials and tests? Well, we learned a handful, five namely. Number one, we use it, God, learned that God uses trials to direct us. To get us to that appointed place. To help us move from that place we'd like to tarry in if we could. To a place that may make us a little more uncomfortable, but it's his place in our life. And he uses those pressures to, to get us to move. Secondly, we learned that God uses trials and tests to make us depend upon his amazing grace. He told Paul, son, it is my grace that's going to be sufficient in your life. It's made perfect in your weakness. We've learned also that God uses tests and trials to mature us in our faith. Tribulation, it worketh patience. Patience, proven character, or maturity. And maturity always gives birth to hope in our lives. We learned that God uses trials and tests to identify us with the Lord Jesus Christ. To help us understand who He is and help us be seen as Him in this world's eyes. To identify us uh, with His resurrection power, yes, but also in the fellowship of His sufferings. We also learned that God uses trials and tests to usher into our lives a great reward. James chapter 1 tells us that the crown of life is promised for those who faithfully endure trials and tests. Today, in conclusion, I'd like to put a few tools in your hands if I can. I'd like to maybe encourage your understanding or further our understanding concerning trials. And I want you to make a note. The last thing that your enemy wants is understanding in your life. The last thing that your enemy wants is any kind of understanding spiritually in your life. Today we're going to try to maybe broaden our understanding a little bit of how we endure and, and, and some things that will help us in the days ahead as we're sure that these trials will come. I'm going to give you five sources today. And don't get afraid. I know there are ten things. I've timed it out. I can't talk about them, but about two minutes apiece. I understand, so get ready. I'm going to give you five sources of trials and five strategies for times of trial today. Five sources and five strategies. Let's read this one verse together. James chapter 4 and verse 7. And we're going to use it kind of as our home verse. And then we'll, we'll, we'll walk throughout the Word of God together today. It reads this way. It says, Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee 
from you. Practical, powerful advice. The first thing I want to talk about today, sources of trials. You know, it's often beneficial to discern the source of a thing in your life. I heard a story about a, a fellow that had a waterbed. I don't know how many of y'all have ever had a waterbed in your life in here. I heard a story of a fellow who had a waterbed. He woke up one morning to find in the middle of the bed there was a, a distinct puddle there. And he thought, man, my waterbed has sprung a leak, and how, what am I going to do now? How am I going to fix this thing? So he got it empty, got it outside, thought he would fill it up outside to see if he could find the leak and maybe there repair the thing. But as he got it outside, hooked the hose to it, the fuller it got, he was looking and looking for a leak. He couldn't really spot any, so he let it fill, and he let it fill to increase the pressure to try to figure out where this leak was. It got so big that it finally got a little mobile on him and got out of control and rolled down a hill. He could do nothing but stand there and watch it roll into a briar thicket down there, which did what? Pop it all over the place, water flying everywhere. And he thought, well, I've solved my problem now. I'll just go get me a, a new mattress and put it in, which he did. He went and got his new mattress, stuck it in the bed, filled it up, jumped in and slept good that night thinking I've solved this problem. Woke up in the morning to look beside him in the self-same place as before to find a telltale puddle of water. He rolled over, looked up at the ceiling, and saw that there must be a leak in the upstairs bathroom. And he'd gone through all that without checking to find out what the source of that puddle really was. And you see, in our lives, we need to understand what the source of a thing is sometimes. It does us well to back off and say, where is this coming from? Why did this come into my life? What is it here? Where did it come from? I'm going to submit to you, I see at least five, there may be more, but as I look through the scripture, there are five things that we can look to as a source of a trial in our life. Number one is this, the world that we live in. Sometimes trials and tests come into your life just as a result of this old world that you live in. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, in this world, in this old fallen, fickle world, you're going to have tribulations. The fact that you're in this world, you need to learn and look that, man, it's just because of where you dwell that sometimes tribulation comes into your life. I wrote this down. You know, I love the change that came into my life when I met the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that He makes a change in you, that old things pass away and all things become new when you become His child? I'm going to tell you, you may have changed when you met the Lord Jesus Christ, but this old world didn't, beloved. It's still the same. You still dwell right here. You still exist right here. I love that show, Extreme Weight Loss. I was watching it the other evening. It's a three-month boot camp. They, they take up a, a person, and, they, and they, they garner their nutrition. They watch what they're eating. They work them out every day, all for the goal that a year later they look different. They're transformed from what they were. They're changed from what they were into something brand new. I saw this person the other night. In the first three months, they lost 85 pounds. Think about that. In the first three months on that boot camp, just by their nutrition and by their exercise and by their working out and by being mindful of what the strategies are, they lost 85 pounds in three months. At the end of three months, they send them home. They go away from the boot camp to go home to try it on their own. And I never will forget what he said to her. He said, honey, when you leave here, I want you to know that the real battle begins. You've been here under my watchful eye. You've been here under my care. I've been monitoring what you eat. I've been working you out. I've been getting you up in the morning. I've been making sure you go to bed at night. But I want you to know when you leave here, that's when the real battle begins. 
He said, you have made a dynamic change, but I'm here to tell you, when you go home, you're going to find that home hasn't changed one bit. You're going to find the same people. You're going to find the same food available. You're going to find the same distractions in your life that were there when you left. And he said, you need to understand that all you, you've made a dynamic change. The real battle comes when you get in that place that hasn't changed. And you're able to live with the change you've made in your life. And you see, here we are in this world, saved by the grace of God, changed to the uttermost. But we have to understand that this world hasn't changed. And we're going to have to live in it with its tests and it's trials and it's tribulations. Folks, sometimes trials just originate in your life as a result of this old fallen, failing world full of human beings that we exist in. Number two, source of trial in your life also might be other people. It might be other entities. It might be things outside your control, other people, their decisions, their actions, the things that they decide. I preached a message at the very beginning of this in the life of Joseph. Wasn't it his brother's? Wasn't it their actions? Wasn't it their decisions that set him down that path of trial and tribulation and turmoil? Sometimes in your life, it's the decisions of people around you that bring trials and tests into your life. How about government? Sometimes the decisions of the government bring some tests and trials into your life. How about your coworkers? Man, the way, the way things go at work sometimes depend on the people that you work with and the people that are around you. How about your family or your children? As a parent, have, you, have your children ever made a decision in your life? Life that's caused you a test or a trial or some kind of turmoil? How about children? Have your parents ever made a decision in your life that you view as why are they persecuting me in these moments in my life? Sometimes it's people around you, your enemies, folks you may have offended. You ought to write this down. Sometimes it's folk who look at you and are jealous of the life that you live and they decide that they're going to make it difficult for you. Sometimes it's other people other entities, folks around you, the decisions that they make impact your life. I'm moving quickly. Thirdly, I want you to see a third source of trials, and I don't want you to miss this. If you're a note taker today, you might ought to write this in capital letters. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's your decision that did it. Sometimes, oh, we blame God. Why, 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 God, did you do this to me? When in reality, he didn't have anything to do with it. It was you that made the decisions that put you in the place that you were in. And I find in my life, I can attribute the large majority of the tests and trials. I mean the overwhelming majority of the tests and trials that I undergo in my life are usually a result of my own decisions. I wrote this down. We sabotage ourselves so often. And we do it in those areas that we're weakest in. And it brings trials and tribulation. Let me give you a biblical example. What about the prodigal son? When did real deliverance come into his life? When did he really understand where he was and find his way out of the trial and the test that he had been under? It's when he came to himself and realized, you know, it really wasn't my daddy after all. It really wasn't the father that asked me to leave. It wasn't him that forced me out. It wasn't that he was treating me wrong. It wasn't my daddy. It wasn't my older brother who thought he, he knew everything. The good. It really wasn't him that's responsible for this. It was me. I went to dad. I asked for my inheritance. I spent it every bit on frivolous things out here. And I am the one that drove myself right here to this old hog pen. You ought to write this down. The first step toward deliverance and healing in your life is always ownership. 
the first step toward deliverance and healing in your life. In the spiritual realm as well is always ownership. When you get to the place to realize, you know what? I have something to do with that. You know what? I had an awful lot to do with that. And the enemy's good at keeping us looking around. The enemy's good at searching for another thing. But I can tell you, I can't, I, I, I can't even count the times I find myself saying, Stacy, talking to myself, why did you do that? Stace, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Man, why? Why did you do such a thing? A great writer I read after a lot, Watchman Nee, he made this statement, and it sticks in my spirit, and I run it over in my mind often. He said this, A man has won a great victory for himself when he realizes he's his own worst enemy. A man has won a great victory for himself when he realizes he's his own worst. Was it, man, it was my old spouse, Pastor. If they'd have just straightened up and acted right, I wouldn't be in this position. Man, it wasn't them. It was, it was probably you. And maybe both of you had something to do with it, but I'm sure that you weren't innocent in it. It, it, it sometimes is, is you. Sometimes the source in your life is just you. Fourthly, how about your faith? Sometimes simply because you believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to be tested and trialed in this life. People are going to make it their business to put you down just because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because you live and exercise a vibrant relationship with Jesus, there are going to be people in this world who don't appreciate that. Man, they're going to ridicule you. They're going to rail you. And they're going to persecute you on every hand's turn. It always has been that way. We've seen it in the life of the apostles, didn't we? And if you go back and read what happened to each one of them, ultimately we see that John was the only one who died what we would call a natural death. The rest of them met their death at the hands of men and women who were persecuting them. Why? No other reason than they believed in this man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they were preaching his life-changing message to everybody they could. And simply as a result of that, persecution, tests, and trials came into their life. You know, I grew up as a preacher's kid. Everybody expected me to be, do, and live a certain way. You know, I go back in my life and I see some things that just because folks knew I was affiliated with Jesus Christ, Folks knew I was a part of a pastor's family and a part of things like we are a part of here this morning. They made my life a little hard sometimes. I remember my older sister coming home from Reynolds High School on many evenings, tore all to smash. And you know why? Because people were following her up and down the halls of Reynolds High School, preaching, mock preaching behind her as she would just walk from class to class. What did she do to earn that? Nothing except be affiliated with the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, there's going to be times in your life that when you choose to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to understand that there are certain people that aren't going to jump up and down about that, that aren't going to be happy that you've made such a decision. But, beloved, to stand with Him is worth anything that this old world or anybody else has to say about you. Because last week we taught you that there is waiting for those who persevere under the end, a crown of life which He's going to place on your head. A great reward on the other side. 
Man, I tell you what, if you want to look back at Fox's Book of Martyrs, you can see people who gave their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Word of God, you ought to look at Hebrews chapter 11. It runs down the heroes of the faith, and at the end, it talks about multitudes of nameless men and women who gave their lives for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they make this statement, the writer does, the world was not worthy of such people as that. And man, may we live in such a way today. May we love in such a way today that the world sees us and begins to persecute us. Would it be said that the people of Trinity of Fairview were so related to Jesus Christ and so sold out to their walk with Him that the world brought persecution after persecution after test after test and after trial? I'd welcome it if it was for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Fifthly, It could be your enemy. You know, the Bible teaches you clearly that you have an enemy. It teaches you clearly that there is one out there, man who's behind all this persecution. In some sense, I wrote this, he is behind each of the others. In some sense, when you dig behind each of the other sources, you're going to find standing there your adversary or your enemy. Ephesians 6, 11 tells us this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, and he just calls him what he is, of the devil. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. A famous passage. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 1 Peter 5. 8 tells us this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. This verse that I read this morning, submit yourselves unto God. And what did he say? Learn to resist the devil. And what he's doing is pointing out who your chief adversary is. And man, we do well to understand that he's real and that he's out there. There are some people who'd like to brush him under the carpet, but you do that to your detriment. For he is out there today as a roaring lion trying to find an opportunity, man, to take you to places that you never wanted to go. He is the ultimate source. The book of Job clearly illustrates this truth as well. Sometimes we read the book of Job and we think it was about Job. And it really wasn't. It was about God and our adversary. It was about God and our enemy. It was about that ultimate battle that goes on in realms that we just really can't see between good and evil and between God and our adversary, the devil. And then we see that it was the enemy that really God allowed to touch Job. We see that it was him that God allowed to take from Job the things that he took from him. Man, we understand a lot when we realize that behind each and every one of these other things, there really is an enemy. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a devil made me do it. How many of y'all ever watched Flip Wilson growing up? And he would always say, it was the devil. The devil made me do it. I, I, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that extreme. But I want you to know that behind each and every one of these, there's a plan. You know, God has a plan for your life. How many of y'all are glad today that your Heavenly Father has a plan for your life? That he's not making this up as he goes? Praise be unto God. Equally true is that your enemy has a plan for your life. And he would like to see you stumble. He would like to see you fall. And he'd like to see your ultimate destruction in this world right here. It's good to know when the world falls apart, it's good to know that you can stand back and say, where? Where's that coming from? What just happened right there? Those are five things that you can point to. Secondly, strategies. 
It's good to know where it comes from, but it's good to have a plan when it happens. Once you discern where it comes from, it's good to have an action plan. Okay, what am I going to do? When these things come into my life, when these tests and trials, which surely will come, when they come, what is it that I do? Pastor, how is it that I handle this? What is the next move? Man, I understand it's the enemy. I understand it was my decision. Whatever the case may be, what is it that I do with this thing in my life? Well, today I want to try to give you some things too, some, some strategies, if you will. It's always good to have a plan. I remember when I was a, a young kid, there was a, a bunch of little cats around our house. They were wildcats. How many of y'all have ever had real wildcats? I'm not talking about a big wild. I'm talking about a cat that's wild around your house. Not one you can pet, not one you can feed, not one that'll come up to you and purr and rub you on the legs whether you want it to or not. Not, in, not that kind of cat. I'm talking about a, a wildcat that would soon claw your eyes out and look at you. Man, we had a, a wildcat at our house, and she had a bunch of kittens. And man, as a little boy, I thought, how cool would it be to get my hands on one of those little kittens and domesticate it and just raise it as my as my own little pet and so I hatched a plan I thought how am I going to get one of those kittens separated from its mama how am I going to catch it in such a way that I can grab it and be gone before mom ever has a chance to realize I've got one of these kittens and I'm I'm taking care of it myself well I realized the only time that they were still is when they were feeding man when they were nursing so I hatched a, a plan in this little boy mind of mine I thought man when I see that happening I'm just going to slip up and I'm going to grab one of them little old bitty kittens and I'm going to tuck it under my arm and I'm going to run for all I'm worth that was my plan beloved you say pastor how'd that work out I'll tell you not so well I, I caught her doing that and man I reached up and grabbed one of them little kittens I had it by the two front paws running with it I was screaming and it was hissing beloved I got to a place to I didn't know if I had it or if it had me I was spinning around with it in a circle just like this me screaming and it hissing until I finally let it fly beloved and it went off into the sunset back to its mama to do the things that it wanted to do it's good to have a plan that one didn't work out too well you know my plan now is when I see a wildcat to say man I'm going that direction and I'm going to leave them right over there that's my plan it's good when trials and tests come into your life to have a plan so here's some things you can file away plan to do when trials come number one man you ought to use praise what a mighty powerful weapon is praise in your life. When the trial and test comes, man, sometimes the best thing you can do is pray. Doesn't the Bible exhort us to rejoice in the Lord always? Paul says it over and over. And again, I say, rejoice. Doesn't the psalmist, I love Psalm 34, he says, I will bless the Lord when? At all times. Good, bad, or indifferent. I'm going to bless him at all times. His praise shall continually, the psalmist said, be in my mouth. What a mighty weapon is praise. I look at Acts chapter 16. I've been preaching through that on Wednesday night. Paul and Silas arrested, beaten, frailed. I thought they were going to die. Woke up in a jail cell. And man, they could have whined. They could have bellyached. They could have hatched some other plan. But what they chose was the, the power that comes when you begin to praise the name of Jesus Christ. 
And the word says at the midnight hour, they left a hymn of praise to God. And what happened in the midst of their singing, their bonds were broken. And man, a great earthquake hit the place. And every door in the prison was swung wide open. And not only their freedom happened, the freedom of every person who was sitting in that jail cell came about. Why? By the power that is in the praise of the name of Jesus. I wrote this down. It's tough to be down when you're praising. It's tough to be derailed when you're praising. It's tough to be defeated when you're praising. Praising the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ed mentioned Wednesday night. Man alive, if you missed that, you missed something. What a joy it was to be in this house alongside that man with a bass guitar singing praises to the name of Jesus Christ. I got to tell you, I wasn't worried about one thin little thing in my life for that hour and a half or whatever time it was that we were here in the house of God for no other purpose than just to praise the name of Jesus Christ. And in your life, the enemy would throw things on you. And they did with Job. And all of his friends came around and said, Man, even his wife came and said, The best thing that you can do, son, is just curse this God that you say you love. And just die and give up the ghost. But he would not do it. What did he say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. He began to praise in the name of Jesus Christ. And church, we have a powerful weapon. When folks are railing you, when folks are riding you, the best thing that you can do is just lift a hymn of praise and see if the Spirit of God doesn't come and bore you above everything that's going on in your life. second tool I want to give you, praise is a big one. How about this? How about prayer? When the tests and trials come, Pastor, what is it that we do? We'll pray. That sounds a trite answer, doesn't it? It sounds a cookie-cutter answer, but man, it's probably the greatest thing I know of that you can do when tests and trial come into your life. You need to learn to pray. You need to learn to immediately bow your head and say, Father, here I am. Here I am. You see me. I know that you're here with me. Father, here I am. I'm trusting you in the midst of this. Father, here I am. I need your hand to move in this. I love the psalmist. He said, I cried unto the Lord, didn't he, in Psalm 3, and he heard me out of his holy ear. Psalm 50, 14 also tells us of that prayer, that cry. Sometimes that's all you can do. Sometimes it's not a set of organized words. Sometimes it's just Jesus. I, Jesus, Jesus, here I am. And I'm hurting and I need you. Sometimes all you can muster is a cry. Romans tells us that sometimes we don't even know how to pray but the best thing that we can do is try to engage in it and allow the Holy Spirit to make intercession for us with moanings and groanings that cannot be uttered what a powerful weapon is the weapon of prayer in your life it seems to me that prayer should be the natural place we run when we come under the test it seems to me that prayer should be the first thing on our list when we come under that test there's nothing better, is there, than to run and tell your mom or to run and tell your daddy about something that's just happened in your life. Man, I tell you, I can't count the times in my life I've run to the, to the knee of my father and said, Daddy, can I tell you what that just happened to me? Can you help me? And you see, we have a privilege today anytime, anywhere, any place, under any circumstances, even when no one else in this world understands what we are going through. We have the privilege to go to the throne of the king of this universe, our Abba, our Father, and say, Daddy, can I tell you about what just transpired in my life? What a mighty strategy is a strategy of prayer. i got to hustle on thirdly. 
You ought to write down the word paradigms. That needs to be in your strategy. When tests and trials come into your life, you need to learn to, to believe and stand on the Word of God. When tragedy strikes you, when loss strikes you, when that test strikes you, you have in your possession a, a Word from God unto you that's true and real. And what you need to do in those moments is learn to believe and stand on the Word of an Almighty God. When we look into the Scripture, we see that that's mirrored for us. Ephesians 6, I read a little bit of that passage to you. He goes on to tell us the whole armor of God. Paul does. He says, man, you ought to take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God to battle your enemy. How about Jesus in the wilderness when He was tempted and when He was tried? What was His strategy to defeat His enemy and overcome that temptation in those moments? He kept saying over and over and over. You say that, but let me tell you what written. You say that, but let me tell you what the Word of God says about this in my life. And man, we have a powerful weapon when we have the Word of God, and we need to learn to believe and stand on it in these moments of tests and trials. Maybe lack is the test. You ought to flip open the New Testament and read to yourself, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. How many of y'all could bear testimony that God has been there to supply your every need at the moment you needed it? Time! After time after time, he showed up to do it. Why did he do that? Because he told you that he would, and he's not going to go back on his word. He can't lie to you. We need to learn to believe and stand on the Word of God. How about sickness? I, I, I love Psalm 103. Man, blessed be the Lord. I'm going to bless Him with every fiber of my being. From the bottom of my soul, I'm going to bless the Lord. Why? Because of all the benefits He pours into my life, one of which is this, that He heals all my diseases and all my sicknesses. We understand that He is a healer. When we read the New Testament and Jesus walked on this planet, we can't miss the fact that He touched people and that He healed people. How many of y'all could say in your life and bear witness to the truth that God can touch you and heal you even when the report of man is that there's no hope for you? There's someone above that who understands where you are and what you need in your life. He's a healer. And man, the list goes on and on and on. Are you confused? Man, we can open the Word of God and understand that didn't come from Him because God is not the author of confusion. Are you fearful today? How about this? What time I'm afraid? What does the Word say? I'll just trust in you. Man, if you're feeling abandoned today, if you're feeling like everybody in the world has left you and the enemy is coming to you today and telling you you're all alone here, you can flip open the truth, the Word of God and find that He has told you I will never leave you and I will not forsake you and man you can go on and on and on and what a treasure is the word of God in this strategy how about sin and temptation how about loss how about feeling unloved man if Jesus used the scripture so should we when we come over and, and under these trials and tests in our life I love Revelation it says we overcome our enemy number one by the blood of the lamb and secondly by the word of of our testimony and I can't think of a better thing to testify than what God's done in your life and what God's promised he will do in your life paradigms fourthly how about people you need some people around you man when you undergo trials and tests I'm gonna tell you one of the greatest strategies you'll ever employ is to reach out to godly men and women that love you there's nothing better than to have someone stand with you in a moment 
There's nothing better when you get that report from the doctor than to have someone you can call on the phone and say, can you stand with me in this moment? I can't tell you how many times in my life that God used His people to minister to me at every hand's turn. I can't tell you what your emails mean to me. They may be trite and trivial to you, but I can't tell you how God uses them in the right moment, at the right place, at the right time, when the enemy has me where he wants me to open up an email and say, Pastor, I love you, and I want you to know I'm standing with you, and I want you to know that God is using you in a mighty way, and we are praying for you and excited about what God is doing in your life. I can't tell you uh, what the resource of people have meant in my life. How many of y'all could say in here today that in that moment when you needed somebody, that God brought the right person by you to be able to talk to, to be able to hug you around the neck, to be a listening ear to you. How many of y'all are thankful for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? What a mighty resource are the people of God. In church, if the enemy could do anything in our midst today, he would divide us. If the enemy could do anything in our midst today, he would let us have awed against one another so that he could cut that strategy and cut that giant resource that we have in existing as people of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ together. Man, we're not against one another. God said, Jesus said, on one occasion, man, if they're for me, how can they be against me? Man, if they're proclaiming my name and preaching my name and the forgiveness of sin through my shed blood, how is it that they can be against me? And what's the enemy's chief aim in the church? is to bring dissension and division. The Scripture tells us this, bear ye one another's burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens, man. I went by, just, just a little help, just a trivial example. I went by the Toyota dealership the other morning to drop my car off. It was, it was really early. And there's a sweet sister of mine that I always see up there when I drive through the line. I wait on her. This was about 7.15. I hopped out of the car, and she was talking to me. And Man, she was uh, taking my information. What's going on, Pastor? What's happening stays with the car? Man, at the end of it, she leaned over and said, I need you to come here a minute. And we walked outside from the service line around the corner. I thought, man, I'm in my pastoral mode here. I got my shirt all ready, and I got everything. You know, I get my, get my mind right. Okay, what is she going to ask me? What are the things that I need to sow into this dear sister's life in this moment? She looked at me and said, Pastor, are you going home from here? I said, well, I hadn't planned on it, but I can. I mean, if that's something you need me to do, something at the house you need me to bring back to you. She said, well, if you're not going home, I want you to do something. I want you to go somewhere and fix your shirt. I said, what's wrong? And she reached up and tugged on a little bit. She said, it's inside out, Pastor. She said, I don't, I don't want you walking around all day long in the hospital with your shirt inside out. I don't want you doing that. Can you fix your shirt? I said, thank you, sister, and I found me a place. Turn. How much heartache, how much laughter, how much dissension did that dear lady save me in just that moment to call me outside and tell me something like that? It's good to have people in your life in trivial moments like that, but man, in the hardest moments of life, it's good to have folks who've got your back. It's good to have folks who will love you, even though you've made wrong decisions after wrong decision, after wrong decision. Strategy, you need some people in your life. Lastly, how about faith? You know, here's a real novel idea. When trials and tests come, how about we just trust God? How about we just determine that we're just going to trust God in it? Doesn't the word say over and over, the just shall live how? By faith. Just going to live by faith. 
He just invites us to trust in him. I like that. Yes. The just shall live by faith. I'm going to go right back to this verse I started you with. James 4, 7, it says this. Therefore, submit to God. Place your faith totally and completely. Place your life in his hands. Submit yourself to him. And the second thing is just do it in spite of the old devil who's telling you you shouldn't. Just say, listen, bud, I'm here. I am with God. And nothing's going to make my faith wane in these moments. And you know what he's going to do? What a promise. The word says that he's going to turn his back on you. And he's going to run from you. He's just going to flee. Now I'm going to turn this verse around. You know what I often do? I often find myself submitting to the enemy and resisting God. I often find myself submitting to the enemy and just resisting God. What God wants to do, I'm going, oh, don't do that. <laughs> no. Lord, that'd be the worst thing that could ever happen. Please don't do that in my life. Don't ask that of me. Don't send me there. Don't ask me to serve there. Don't, no, God, don't, don't do that in my life. And I find that I, I harbor with the side of the enemy who seems to make things easy and light in the moment. The words counsel is, no, man, place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a quick illustration. This past week I had on a, one of the nicest pairs of shorts I've ever had in my life. Man, I was sitting around, lounging around, just taking some time off. Thanks be unto God. I was sitting there in a nice uh, uh, hue shade of blue shorts. Man, I, I'd reach down and rub them every now and then. Just the texture of the outside seam in them. Man, they were just luxurious shorts, man. Izod. I, I never had a lot of Izod shorts in my life. And I'm sitting around wearing these shorts going, wow. Man, where have these been all my life? Why hadn't I been wearing this kind of shorts all my life? And I got to thinking, why don't I have more of these shorts? Why do I only have one pair of shorts like this? Well, I tell you, my mind got to drifting back, and, and I thought about where I got them. Memorial Day, we were down in Gatlinburg, and we were shopping. They have a giant sidewalk sale every Memorial Day at Tanger Outlet. We went by the Izod Outlet, and out on the sidewalk, they had shorts galore. You know how much they were? Nine dollars a pair for Izod shorts out there. Mark your calendar next Memorial Day. If you want a pair of shorts, go down there. They may have them. Nine bucks a pair. My dear wife said, oh, Stace, we're getting one of every color for you right now. Let's find what size you are. Let's get in there and try them on. And man, I'm out there fighting her. I'm out there, baby. I've got 5,000 pairs to show. How many of y'all there? Hey, I don't care if they're $3, honey. I really don't need them. I got a drawer full of shorts at home that I don't wear half the time anyway. And I fought her tooth and nail to buy even one pair of shorts. And the end of it finally came. I brought two home with me. I was sitting there yes, this week with that pair of shorts on thinking... You big dummy, why did you fight her on that? Why didn't you give her the credit card and let her buy every pair of shorts that was on the rack out there? These are luxurious men. What it is to live and wear a pair of eyes on shorts just like this. And here you are fighting the lady. I had to walk in where she was and say, honey... I apologize. I did. You ask her when you say, I said, I am sorry I fought you on this. My only hope is we can get back down there next Memorial Day and buy some more shorts. I'm sorry I fought you on that. should have listened. You see, sometimes we just fight God in the midst of trial and test, and he's trying to bless us through it. And what the Word says is, submit yourself to him. Place yourself totally and completely 
in his care. Say, God, I know you have this. And when the devil comes around and says, listen, you don't understand. I'm in the hand of my father, and I'm not moving anywhere else. And he's going to realize he can't do a thing with you. And he's going to move on down the road. A strategy. Praise. What do we do, Pastor, when these come? Praise. Man, how about turn to the Word of God? How about prayer? How about reach out to the people the enemy would tell you, don't you, don't you tell anybody about this in your life? But the reality is we should reach out to those Christian brothers. How about just faith? How about just a novel idea? Just trust God in the midst of it. Folks, we can survive the blast. You can. When the trials and tests come in this life, you can make it. The Word of God gives us great instruction and great encouragement as to what to do. Have an understanding where these things come from. Have a plan. Have a strategy. Trust that God is at work in your life using everything that's going on for a specific purpose, for your good, for His glory. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.